My guest today is former president of PayPal and current vice president of blockchain at Facebook, Mr. David Marcus. David, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today, instead of learning about your career and what's happening at Facebook amidst the big year, let's talk more about how you got to where you are today, starting at the beginning. You were born in Paris, France. Your father was Romanian. Your mother was an Iranian. Tell us about your early childhood growing up in France during the early 80s. Well, it was actually early 70s, So, but thanks for making me come across younger than, than I truly am. You know, it was basically a life of you know, being in Paris at an early age and then moving to Switzerland when, you know, the socialists came to power in France in the 80s. But basically, you know, a normal, comfortable life in Paris, which is a wonderful place to grow up, especially in the 70s. Let's move on to your schooling. Did you do well in a school? I was a you know generally good good student until I got to high school where you know generally speaking it was more I had more time or I allocated more time to other things than academia and so as a result I ended up still finishing with the the Swiss diploma of what they call maturité fédérale over there right in time to move on to college but it wasn't as uh, stellar of a run as you know my prior years How would you say that affected your relationships with your teachers or what subjects you studied in school? You know, I had teachers, and you know that better than I do because you're living the dream right now, but you have teachers that are more inspiring than others, and they tend to make you love the topic more than others. And for me, it was really math and physics that were the two subjects that I was the most interested in because I had two fascinating teachers for these two subjects. And, you know, I spent a decent amount of time understanding math and physics at the time. And I was a computer geek already, you know, starting eight years old. So that also met my interests at the time. And so, you know, those were my two favorite teachers and subjects. Just a second ago, you said you weren't really focused on academia in high school and you focused more on uh, extracurriculars. Would you talk a little about the extracurriculars that you were focused on? Yeah. So, you know, I started at multiple little side businesses at the time. It was the fury of the time was really those swatch watches, you know, those small plastic cheap watches and they had all kinds of limited editions and and series. And I started a business of, you know, gray market for those watches, you know, buying and selling them and arbitraging the price when I was in early high school. And that was fun. And then did all kinds of other things on the business side of the house during my high school years. And, you know, one thing that I feel has changed dramatically, and I think, you know, maybe it's also Europe, US thing that, you know, high school years were a lot of fun in Europe. And, you know, I feel that for having two kids that have gone through or that are going through high school right now, the pressure to thrive and to get into a good college and all these things like hits really early and it becomes such an immense amount of pressure that I feel at the time we really didn't have. And especially in Europe, when you graduate from high school, you're automatically accepted to your local college. And so you don't have all of that pressure and pent up demand that that people put on you. And so I think, you know, for me, those were some of the best years of my life. And I know that in a lot of cases, it's getting really pressurized here in high school years. When you tell your kids about high school and how to get through high school, what do you tell them that you want them to do different than yourself and stuff that you want them to do that's similar to what you did? Well, I think that to me, curiosity is the most important thing. So I'd love for 
my kids and everyone to be more curious about all kinds of different topics. And, you know, the fascinating thing as well is that when I was in high school, there was no such thing as Google or smartphones. So, you know, if you were curious about something, you had to go physically to a library, pick a book and learn about the topic. Whereas now you can have all the answers you want about anything in seconds. And so I think that, you know, for a curious mind, the era we're living in is wonderful because you can deepen your knowledge about almost anything really quickly. And so having a curious mind, I think, leads to very good places. And so my advice is also, you know, not only to be curious, but really seek knowledge about those things that you're curious about. And then, you know, what what I try to do with, you know, my own kids and, you know, I have one in college and one who's in high school right now is certainly for those who are in high school or will be in high school is to really try to actively depressurize the whole notion that you really need to get to one of the best colleges in the world and you need to really get there. Otherwise, the rest of your life is going to be messed up, which is really not true at the end of the day. So it's important to me that you have a balanced time in high school and that you have fun as well as have other activities that you want to actually take on rather than, you know, look good on a on an application or or essay for colleges. Let's move on to your college now. You went to University of Geneva in Switzerland. Can you explain your process of deciding what school you wanted to attend, what you wanted to study, and how you really just how you made such a big decision? Yeah. So, you know, again, I think, you know, that that's the difference of Europe and, and the U.S. I think in, in the U.S. you have to make a big decision and you have to fight to get accepted in, you know, different types of institutions in Europe. The process is very different. You basically, if you're in Geneva and you succeed at, at high school, which is much harder by the high schools are harder and the, the diploma that you get at the end of your high school is much harder to get to. But then you're automatically admitted to the university of the city you're in that generally provides very good tuition. And then you pick your topic. For me, economics was what I wanted to do because I was a geek, but I liked math and I liked business. So that was the right choice for me. But I only stuck around for about a year because I had to go work because we had like this huge disaster happen in the family where you know, my father, who was then working, had his own company, etc., basically lost everything overnight. And so I was pushed to actually drop out to actually go work and support the family. So it was a very short college stint of one year. Do you ever look back on that experience of dropping out of college and only being there for a year and wish that you could have stayed for longer? Or is, is it really something that shaped who you are today? No, I think it's the latter, 100%. You know, if all of this didn't happen, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So, you know, being faced with adversity and having to climb out of it and fight for things is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I definitely think that I would be a completely different person had that not happened. So I'm, I'm actually very grateful for this tragedy in hindsight. Of course, when you're living it, you're not, you know, feeling the same way. But when you connect the dots looking backwards, it all makes sense. And it's a welcome thing. Can you talk a little bit about what you did after you dropped out? What was your course of action and kind of how you were inspired to make these decisions? Well, I mean, it has nothing to do with inspiration. It was really, you know, you drop out of college, you have to basically earn money to support the family. And if you're in Geneva, the one thing you do is you join a bank. So that's what I did. 
But very quickly, I realized that banking was not for me. And again, I was like such a, a computer geek at the time that, you know, the bank I started working in, despite the fact that my job had nothing to do with IT, I started, you know, installing PCs everywhere and connecting them and building software for all of the different parts of the bank that I worked in. And at the time, that bank didn't have a single PC. It was all, you know, a mainframe computer with client devices, which is probably, you know, Chinese for most of the kids that, you know, we talk to these days because, you know, mainframe computers are not necessarily around anymore. But yeah, so it was then that I realized that banking was not for me. So I stayed for a while. I was, you know, quite successful, you know, at you know, the Forex department uh, being a Forex trader, but then realized that computers and technology was really my thing. And at the time, there was an opportunity in Switzerland to compete for telecommunication services. And just to put things in context, it used to cost about a dollar a minute to place a call from Switzerland to the US at the time. And so I decided to start my first company in uh, trying to compete with the Swiss monopoly at the time of you know telecommunications and internet service provider. Let's move on to what seems like an, another major critical point in your life, your immigration to the US. What opportunities did you see here versus Europe? And when immigrating, did you make any mistakes that you would want to fix or would you want to have stayed to have stayed in Europe or was coming no. to the US? Crucial? No, no, I'm uh, I'm a diehard American now. But no, I mean, look, if you're a tech entrepreneur and you're in Geneva, you're, you know, not exactly at the right place. Despite that fact, you know, I built a bunch of companies. The first one is the one I just highlighted before that became the third largest fixed line telco and ISP in Switzerland. We sold that one. And then started another company in, in mobile payments and mobile entertainments. And it was really clear to me when the iPhone came to market in 07 that it was time for me to move here. So I fought hard with my board and investors to move here and got here in 08. And this was definitely the best decision I ever made from a professional standpoint, because being here in Silicon Valley as a tech entrepreneur allowed me to build the company into a large company that was successfully acquired by PayPal and then basically paved the way for the rest of those years. Now that we know your story and how you got to where you are in the business world, let's talk about you. What are your passions and hobbies besides being a geek and a computer nerd, as you say? Well, I mean, for me, really, technology has always been a thing because with technology, you can actually impact the trajectory of the world in a profound way if you do it right. And that's why I'm here and, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. And so, you know, that's, I'd say, my number one passion. I'd say that outside of work and professional passions and areas of interest, um, you know, I love traveling. I love, you know, seeing and discovering the world and new cultures. I love to spend time with my family doing that. That's, I'd say, is the number one thing that uh, I like to spend time on. And really, that the understanding of the world, how it functions, the differences in perspectives and cultures is a really big, important part of who I am. I'm a mutt because, you know, where I come from and where my parents came from and where I grew up and where I landed. And, uh, and so for me, diversity of points of views of cultures and learning more about those is really important. And, and showing that to my kids is really the one thing that I love to spend time on outside of that. And then a few other things uh, like skiing and other activities, of course. When talking to a high schooler or college kid trying to find their niche or their part of the world, what would you tell them and how would you help them get to where they want to be? Well, I think that regardless of whether you want to be in business or not, you have to find what is broken to you in the world or could use your help. 
And that can be art. You can fill a huge void in the way that art exists today. And, you know, you want to express your own point of view with art. And, you know, that's totally fine. And in business, it can be that you are finding that a certain industry is not operating the way it should. It's not serving its constituents or consumers the right way. And that, you know, you you can actually do something about that. You can actually, you know, change the game for people who are basically, you know, locked in a certain system, whether it's in telecommunications or financial services or whatever that is. That's always been my approach. You know, I need to be really passionate about something that I deeply fundamentally feel is broken or is not operating the right way. And I need to find my, you know, the drive to actually go and and, and do this thing. And it's really important to find the one thing that gets you animated and, and passionate because getting to the destination is going to be really hard and you're going to have to climb walls, go through them and do all kinds of different things. And if this is not something that is truly a, a deep core passion, then it's going to be hard to get to the destination. But, you know, sometimes it takes time and it takes tries and it takes, you know, understanding the world and finding your place in it. And, you know, that requires just being curious again and observing things and trying to find things that deserve to be better. When figuring out that you wanted to be a world traveler and that you love doing that, just experiencing it, would you say, is that how you got to it? Or is there other things that went through your mind when deciding on that's what you would love to do with your family? I mean, there's just nothing else that comes anywhere close. So, you know, a good good friend of mine actually always says that, you know, if you make more memories, you live longer because life is a collection of memories at the end of the day. And it is true that if you're in a routine, you typically don't remember one day because they all look the same and feel the same. And so the more you stretch outside of your routine, the more you create memories and the more you create memories, the longer you live. And so... When it comes to this, you know, traveling and being outside of your comfort zone in new surroundings with, you know, new types of traditions and cultures and behaviors around you, this is the best way to create those memories. And I think that it's also the best way for kids to understand that they shouldn't think of the world in a, you know, really, you know, monolithic way, which I think we're often victim of. You know, we, we, you know, if you don't travel, then you think the rest of the world looks exactly like Atherton. And that's not quite what it looks like. And you obviously have a very busy schedule yourself. What would you say to kids trying to manage their schedules and how do you manage yours? Well, mine is, you know, <laughs> somewhat of a science at this point. But, you know, I'd say that, you know, you, you guys shouldn't be that busy at your age. You should make sure you have enough time to enjoy your life too, which, uh, which I think is super important. And, you know, having uh, social life and you know having time for friends and and fun activities that you want to do i think is a really important thing so the very fact that you're asking the question is always you know something that raises questions in terms of you know are are you supposed to be that busy in high school of course you're supposed to be busy to a certain level but you know and you know as far as i'm concerned the way that i typically organize my schedule is really trying to get all the things that are really you know important out of the way as fast as possible so that i can focus on the things that i want and can control in my schedule and not be a victim of how other people want to want me to do things or 
organize things. So I, I'd like to stay in control of my schedule. And the only way that I found to do that is, you know, basically get rid of all of the things that people depend on me for, and then organize my schedule the way I want to. Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to offer to our audience of high school students listening at home who are faced with the scary task of finding themselves and what path they'll take? I think, yeah, maybe maybe uh, my final advice is, you know, don't live someone else's life. Do what you want to do, not what, you know, the norms uh, or society or even your parents, you know, want you to do. You need to do what you want to do and you need to find your passion and that one thing in the world that you want to make better. And that can only be your decision. So don't be trapped in someone else's dreams or someone else's life. Go live yours. Thank you again, David, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to One Hour Intern. I hope that you explore more of our episodes. Follow us at One Hour Intern. The one is spelled using the number one. And if you enjoyed, please rate, follow, and subscribe. The One Hour Intern is produced, hosted, and written by me, Will Brigger. My co-producers are The Blue and Studio Pod. Till next time, thanks.